Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Morning Tea. I am Nick Durst. I'm Marlena McNana. We're so happy that you are joining us again, and we can actually do a whole first episode. We're so excited. If you did not catch our intro or skipped over it because you're like, I don't want to listen to an intro on a podcast, um, I think you should give it a listen. It talks about us a little bit. It talks about... Um, how we met, how this came to fruition, and kind of gives you a preview, right, Mara? Of like, yeah. yeah, it talks about the structure, gonna... just kind of gives you a what to expect moment. Um, and if you're like me, you like to know what to expect. Exactly, exactly. And with that, we're going to start um, every episode with just a little uh, hot topics kind of area where we're going to talk about some current events and, and what's going on and um, the world that we're living in. Uh, so yesterday was the last hearing congressional hearing for the um insurrection that happened on january 6th um and they went through and they gave us a play-by-play um because the insurrection i believe lasted 187 minutes in total um and we yeah and we found out what our former disgraced twice impeached president was doing during those 189 um minutes um some of which was you know incredibly disturbing Mm, yeah. So very, very admittedly, I have not watched. Um, I have not. I didn't watch the riots. I have not watched any of the the sixth hearings. Um, that was one of those things where so many things were happening. I think at once, and I said, my sweet, sweet little brain just cannot, it cannot see, it yeah. cannot absorb, it cannot process. Um, but I find it fascinating to follow it through you, who has been involved. Yeah. Well, I, 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 it's weird. It's like. I don't like to say that I'm obsessed with the coverage because, like, it sounds bad. I'm obviously not obsessed with what occurred, but I am obsessed with finding out, like, what happened, what are we going to do about what happened, and how are we going to prevent this in the future? Um, And I would say that we're not really full steam ahead on all three of those items, unfortunately, 18 months after. But we're getting there, I believe. Um, And kind of off of what you said, Mar, about the footage, uh, I was glued to my television, I remember where I was. I was paranoid. Mm-hmm. I had COVID. I was taking my temperature every 30 minutes. That time. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, yeah, it was rough. And um, it was crazy. But what's even crazier is the unreleased footage that they've been giving and showing us. Um, and it's frightening about how close we were, how truly close we were that day mm-hmm. to losing our democracy. Um, yeah. Frightening. And the things they were saying, hang Mike Pence. They had, you know, the mm. gallows outside ready to hang him. They're it, tear gas and just ber- like beating these Capitol Police officers. And it's just, it was all crazy. Um, and the big question is, you know, is Trump going to face charges for this? Is is there a case criminally to be had? Mm. Um, and we're, we don't know yet. Answer. We don't know. It, the, the Attorney General did come out very forcefully two days ago and said that nobody is above the law nobody is above the law wouldn't go as far to say that you know they're investigating him or they are going to bring charges but um Mm. i think that is it's a nod to people that are worried yeah sure i i think that even with the (laughs) the understanding that nobody is above the law um we have certainly seen people escape it (laughs) most primarily when those people are wealthy and white so um I, uh, to be very honest, I'm not confident. I have absolutely no confidence in that. Yeah. 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 And the thing is, people are like, he's a you know former president. Is this going to happen? And if for those of us that are uh, history buffs, if you think about Watergate, you know, Watergate did take three years. Uh, I believe that the uh, break-in happened in the late 60s. And it wasn't like late 60s, early 70s. And it wasn't until the mid-70s that, you know, Nixon's right-hand man were put in jail. Um, and he would have been prosecuted and probably imprisoned if President Ford did not pardon him. Um, mm. Because it is true that the Department of Justice does tries to never indict a sitting president. Um, but he else should not be named is not a sitting president. He is <laughs> a, as I said before, um, and as my girl on Sunny Hostin at The View says all the time, a uh, former disgraced, twice impeached president. Um, so it's fair game in, in my court. Um, But yeah, so if you haven't seen any of the trials, I really recommend you at least getting the highlights. Definitely go to their Twitter because last night we got a minute 48 um, 
outtake of Trump recording his message to the country. Um, and you get a glimpse as to like, oh, I just said Trump. Well, that lasted for, you know, five minutes. But um, <laughs> you see him as a narcissistic kind of idiot. But he is. So, yeah. Also, what's kind of in the government uh, vein, the House passed a bill that codifies same-sex marriage into law with 47 Republicans uh, voting with the Democrats to pass it, which these days is, you know, interesting, I guess is the word. Sure. Um, And then what did we say? It was 157 who did not. And it was only that that 157 who did not were only Republicans, correct? Yes. To my knowledge. We'll put that in the fact check section. But to my knowledge, Yes. yes. And I find it so interesting because I I find myself wondering when votes come out like that and we, you know, obviously we weaponize the um, whatever party did not vote for what we wanted. And we point out exactly who didn't and we name them and everything. And I think to myself, is this exclusively because of money? Because you are being paid to believe and promote a certain agenda. And if you were to vote against that, you would lose financial backing and i find that to be a fascinating concept to base your morality off of money yeah and i think it goes one step further i think money is a symptom to power without the money they can't they can't have the power um and jim jordan actually stood up and said that this bill was unnecessary and that the only reason that democrats were bringing it to the table is that because we're in july of an election year um, and that inflation is, is flailing, which is true. Inflation is, is crazy right now and that they're using it as a distraction. And it's so interesting to me because, A, that's not true. We're doing it because we have a pretty conservative Supreme Court now that as an institution has been politicized that essentially after, you know, taking away a woman's right to choose said that we should go back to all cases that were ruled in the same way, which includes same-sex marriage, which includes contraception, which includes interracial marriage, right? All of these Mm -hmm. things that we kind of have learned to just, because they are human rights, not kind of, they literally are human rights that we've just begun to like normalize are now, um, could be on the chopping block again. Um, So fuck you, Jim Jordan, number one. Number one. (laughs) Yeah. And um, I also am very actively one of those people um, who believes that nobody on the Supreme Court should know peace until all of the women in this country have a right to choose and have access to abortion. So I am all for that. No violence. No violence. But I'm not not necessarily promoting violence. But if somebody were to, like, yeah. I don't know, leave their dog's shit on somebody's car every morning God. for the rest of time. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if you happen uh, to live in the D.C. area. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what's going in the government sphere. Marlena, what are some hot topics you want to talk about? So I wanted to talk about the, I guess we'll call it the passing of the torch, though I think that maybe has a nicer connotation than what it actually was, um, of Leia Michelle taking over for Beanie Feldstein in Funny Girl on Broadway. Um, read some very interesting information about that and honestly the drama of you know whether it was a shady exchange or on it that part doesn't interest me quite so much as um for me what the immediate message was that i internalized so beanie feldstein is obviously a person that i looked at and said wow she looks like me right we have a person who has uh curves and who is a plus size on broadway in a leading role um and we are very rapidly replacing her with a very socially acceptable beauty queen, in my opinion. Um, And I thought that was a legitimate loss um, for, you know, representation and like body equality on Broadway. So, and you know, just kind of reaffirming that Broadway is white and thin and attractive. And I think that's Mm. a really big shame. It's interesting because I I feel like it's the Leah Michelle of it all as you kind of alluded to, right? (laughs) Is that, you know, people have a lot of feelings towards Leah Michelle because of what came out about her treatment of people on Glee and just uh, the type of human um, that people perceive her to be. And it's, it's, this is always hard, not just about Leah Michelle, but just about anyone for me. Cause it's, for me, it's also about um, not redemption, but 
a chance to be called on your shit, to be told what you're doing is wrong, to say that you can't do this and treat people in this way. But then when do we allow people to go away, do work, whether that's research, therapy, educating themselves, whatever it might be, and then come back for redemption, right? I know a lot of people talk about it as consequence culture instead of cancel culture, which I think I get on board with. And I'm not saying that Leah Michelle has done the work. I, I don't I don't know. I know that Broadway mm-hmm. as an industry right now is really, really trying to be better. And every show has to do equity, uh, diversity, inclusion training. They have people on full-time staff to make sure that like that is all happening. Um, so I hope that that also has a positive impact on her. But I, I'm not in the camp that because she acted in that way that she should never be able to work again. If it occurs in this setting, absolutely, because then you haven't learned. Um, but to to put someone out forever because of, you know, whatever it is. And there's no excuse for what she did. I don't want anyone to take me uh, to take uh, away from that. Um, but she's like, when does the person she was? I mean, Glee was God. How long ago? Probably. <laughs> I don't know. I, to be very honest, um, I was one of the theater kids who did not watch Glee because I found it to be physically painful, most primarily um, because of her. Um, <laughs> so I guess it. the first episode was 2009, which, my God. Yeah. Such so a like time ago. almost and 15 we years ago. Through to season, yeah, through to season six, which ended in 2015. So, you know, it's yeah. been quite a while. Um, and honestly, for me, I, I hear your, your point. I hear your position about um, – when does anybody get to redeem themselves? Um, and for me, with this particular topic, um, that is so just simply not for me to say, uh, because the allegations, you know, against her yeah. being racist, non-inclusive, making people's work life hell, I am certainly not the one to say that she is clear to that. Um, yeah. And exactly. to be honest, I thought that the public apology that she released was um, subpar at best. Watch, and it came I, only after she lost her HelloFresh deal um, yes. because she is potentially a shit yeah. human. So I don't I, know. I have no idea. I would agree with you with that. I, I don't think that in the in the heat of the moment, um, it was dealt in any sort of projective or reasonable way. Um, but yeah, only time will tell. Um, she's set to take the stage uh, September 6th as her first performance. Sans um, Jane I, Lynch, who is just a, yes, a queen. Jane Lynch, <laughs> Jane Lynch is, is, is departing when Beanie is departing. Um, and there's a lot of funny buzz around that as, about, you know, <laughs> are they going to share? Why aren't they sharing the stage? You know, X, Y, and Z. But what I will say is that she broke the box office. The day that that was announced, SeatGeek, who is, uh, I think, Ticketmaster, they're just another ticket provider, um, crashed because people are trying to you know see her first performance and just performances in general uh but the funniest thing about it for me was that uh, we've been saying this for months right people were she's been auditioning for this for years since glee right? <laughs> since 2006 uh, um yeah when she started singing don't rain on my parade exactly. every episode so it was, it was funny for me to see like the lists, who's in the running, and I hear I have not seen the show, so I can't say anything. I've heard great things, and I've heard that uh, Julie Benko, who is the understudy, is also absolutely. Yeah, why didn't we give it to her? Why didn't she get it yeah. full time? She she, she she is getting um from July thirty first Thursday nights. No, 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 in the, in the summer, I thought she was getting all of it. No. Okay, so until Lay Michelle starts, yeah. and then following that, she gets Thursday nights. Yes, I, yeah, because I think Leah is doing six, which in my mind I thought that meant that uh, Julie was getting two shows, but I guess maybe they only have seven shows a week. Um, but yeah, so it will be interesting. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, I'm excited to see, and yeah, so we'll see. Good luck, funny girl on Broadway. <laughs> um, and then the only other thing, the trend that is just honestly keeping me laughing um is the american girl doll memes that are flooding my instagram feed at all times um nick is confused by this i don't know how you haven't seen them i literally see them all day every day maybe i have because i've seen the little miss who ones but i haven't (laughs) i haven't seen the um american girl doll ones yeah, so I mean, American Girl dolls transparently were kind of like something a, a little bit more exclusive to the the well off when I was younger. Like I had a beanie baby, not a beanie baby, okay. a bitty baby. 
a bitty baby that was the baby version of the American Girl doll. I never actually had an American Girl doll because they were fucking expensive. And all of their, you know, little things that you – their beds and their dresses and their little parasols all were like 60 bucks a pop. It was it literally absolutely criminal how much they charged. Um, but they are ridiculous and I, I still um, can appreciate them in all their glory. So the one that I just found <laughs> – People are making memes that are kind of describing what a more modern American girl might look like or, you know, just using incredibly hysterical examples. So the one that I think maybe most explains Nick best is we need an American girl doll who changes her entire personality each time Taylor Swift releases a new album. Yes. And I I can even admit, and my roommate, uh, Catherine, has been a Swifty from moment one, like day one, moment one, title album. She was there for it. I will admit that I used to be a Taylor Swift hater um, because I was an uneducated idiot back then. Uh, Her documentary on Netflix, Miss Americana, changed my entire view on her within a moment. I will concur. I will concur. Right. Um, And so then and then that in in part with Lover, because I think that Lover is one of the most perfect albums in the world. It's just such a good summer vibe. Um, But yeah. Yeah, I am now a Swifty. I'm a fake Swifty because I am a I'm a reformed Swifty, maybe we can call it. Um, but yeah, sure. it's really funny. I have to agree. I listen like day one Tim McGraw era Taylor Swift. I was on board. Like she was in my earphones every day. Um, however, her and I hit a hiccup in our relationship. Definitely yeah. around. I don't know. What was that? Reputation. Reputation. Yeah. See, I can't even remember it because who? No. No. Yeah. And I will say, I will say to this day, I I don't listen to Reputation besides a few songs um, because I just think that like, look what you made me do is the music of that. I literally cannot put it into my ears. Um, (laughs) But it, it is interesting now knowing where that spawned from. I think it right. makes a lot of sense to me. You know, the whole 100%. Kanye situation, which we can talk about when we talk about the Kardashians, whom I love, but Marlena does not. Um, um, yeah. But Taylor Swift, I, I think, is so interesting because I agree. When I watched that documentary on Netflix, I thought to myself, it is impossible to be famous. She is being told at every given turn, you will lose everything that you have worked for if you put out into the world that you have an opinion about anything. If you are anything besides pretty and thin and perfect, you will be forgotten. So as a person who has been doing this since she was, what, nine, that is where all of her validation comes from. Yeah, and and it's hard specifically because she started in the country sphere and the country music part of the industry is that right? We saw what happened with the chicks when the war started mm. in the early 2000s. You know, yes. it happens time and time again for country artists that they can't make a stance, except Queen Dolly Parton, who funded <laughs> the Moderna vaccine. Thank you, Dolly. Um, so, yeah, and it, to me, it's interesting. She talks about how every two or three years you have to reinvent yourself as a woman artist in this industry. And I, Look at Gaga, if you look at Ariana Grande, if you look at all, even Beyonce, right? And Beyonce is Beyonce. But like, if you think about it, everything is drastically different. And it's because they have to, yeah. to to stay competitive and right. stay, you know? So, yeah. Relevant, right. And then I think that the people that honestly refuse to kind of play that game, um, the ones that feel a little bit more timeless. Like Adele, I feel like has just been doing yeah. Adele. And Adele's A1. new album, A1 literally so good. I was worried about her being happy now because I was like, are we still going to get good music? Um, but it, <laughs> You said what we yeah, all thought. But she came up. I, there was a point in the fall where it was like seasonal depression was like, oof, he he moved into the apartment. And she did a few specials as like her comeback. And you can ask Marlena, like, how many times would I sit on my couch and watch these specials? Twelve. You watch that special it, twelve it was. Times. It was just – it was like his yeah, comfort It was show. so fucking good. And now they took it down. And she did one in the UK, which is like, it's like good, but it's just not because she was outside at the Griffith Observatory in LA. And you could just feel her voice like radiating <laughs> through the skies of Los Angeles. It was just, it was quite incredible. That was a place that we visited when we yes. went to Los Angeles. And it is beautiful. Yes. That view is like nothing I've ever seen. Yeah. 
Well, with that, we're going to move on to what we call now the meat and potatoes part of every episode where we're going to pick a a topic to kind of really get into and share our viewpoints, have a conversation and just hopefully maybe learn some new things. And we talked about it and I we feel like we have to have a base ground of like, where are we at in this world for ourselves? What are we feeling? So it's kind of what it's going to be about, just like what's going on in the world yeah and what it's like to live in the world with the current climate that we have from our perspective which is obviously very different you know than people yeah because you know we are we are white and we are privileged let's start saying that at the jump yeah let's let's throw that right out there straight white did i say straight neither of us are (laughs) straight exactly (laughs) just like white middle class you know totally basic in every human life which allows us a lot of privilege And I think the scariest thing for me is where we are in the world of guns right now. Um, Mm. And I think that Republicans and, you know, here's the thing. I am not a gun hater. I personally will never own a gun. I have no reason to own a gun. Um, I see no reason that people that are have mental health checks that have done a universal background check that have been vetted can own a pistol. They can own a rifle. Right. We do not need weapons of war. We do not need an AR-15 that can shoot, you know, probably uh, fact check this, but 100 rounds a minute or whatever it is to be in the hands of civilians and civilians that aren't trained. Like, what are we doing? Um, But like you said before, Marlene, it comes back to money and power and it comes back to specifically the NRA. And it's Mm -hmm. this it's this uh, dog whistle that, you know, Democrats, lefts, leftist socialists are coming after your guns and they're taking away the Second Amendment. But I want everyone to remember that back when this was written, the Second Amendment, there was no semi-automatic weapons. They never dreamed of a time where they were going to have weapons of this nature. So it's just like, shut up. Right. Yeah, we were loading muskets by hand when we were making this type of legislature. And I, I just, it's truly mind-blowing um and it's mind-blowing for me from the the people perspective because again i have absolutely no problem with people owning guns um you know knowing people in the military who might have like we're saying these like weapons of war because they have been so trained and fully vetted in how to use and clean and store them properly and responsibly right i think that there is so much more legislature that could be passed um for more aggressive background checks, honestly, checks on how you store them. Like, yes, people get to come into your home and look at where you store your guns and ammunition and how you do so, most particularly if you have children in the home or if you have any sort of record. Sorry, right? But for me, I feel like it's bananas because what it comes down to is almost a choice here. Um, And I feel like people are looking at it between like freedom and then people staying alive um and i feel like we need to shift that perspective more towards um it, we're, we're not sacrificing freedom we're simply trying to move uh the needle a little bit away from um like children dying in their schools um and i feel like when that is the you know the deciding factor i'd be like take everything take my entire livelihood if it means that children are safe in their school desk yeah, exactly. And Am I insane? No, you're not insane. And it, what just is also so confusing to me, too, is that, like you said, it's not a choice between freedom to have a gun and none. I'm just saying you can keep every gun that you have minus weapons of war. And all you have to do is a few little check marks and then you can have whatever you want. And you saying to me that you don't want that, which might I add that a majority of Americans do support universal back checks. Ew. But of course, just like uh, universal, what? A majority of Americans also support a woman's right to choose. But we have people in Congress that say one thing, you know, when they're up for election and then they do something else for power and money. Um, But it's like when you don't want to do those checks, what are we hiding here? And I also think about it too, Marlena. You know, I have an iPhone, a computer, all this smart technology in my house that in a moment's notice I can be tracked. I can be, they're probably listening to me doing this podcast right now. I could be, the phone could be deactivated, everything, right? So why aren't we doing that with guns? Why isn't, and if we're going to have to keep AR-15s on the market, which we shouldn't, but it seems like we're not going to win that battle in this moment. If we're going to keep them on the, on the market, why aren't they smart chipped, right? So if we know Mm. that John Smith in Oklahoma, let's say, no hate on Oklahoma, but John Smith in Oklahoma (laughs) 
has AR-15 and he's just posted something, you know, awful on social media, someone can just turn the gun off. The trigger doesn't go, right? Faster than police getting there, faster than anyone getting there, the gun is now no longer in service. It does not work. And is that going to save the problems? No. But is it going to help us a little bit? I think so. Well, I think that's that is the problem is that these kind of logical um, little loopholes that just ever like we're saying just move the needle a little bit. Um, people are against logic. Yeah, that is. I feel like that is sometimes where the the world is waving to is we are just against things that simply make logical sense. And I think that part of it too, both on guns and on abortion, on both sides, not just Republicans, Democrats and Republicans, and everyone in between. It is a galvanizing um, and polarizing topic that helps them come elections. You can run on the fact that you're going to codify Roe v. Wade. And you'll run on that, as we saw, all the way back to Bill Clinton, right? We've never done it yet in law. You're going to run on the fact that you're going to take the AR-15s out of people's hands, right? But it hasn't happened. Or on the reverse side, you're going to on the reverse side, you're going to tell people we're not going to let the Democrats take your guns. We're not going to let them, you know, as they say, kill children, which is just obscene to me. But- And it's sad. It's sad that like you're not fixing (laughs) what the country needs so that you can just profit off of it come an election season, you know? Right. Because if they didn't have these polarizing topics, they would have nothing to run on, like you're saying, and they would have no way to keep us distracted. And I believe that so sincerely because it has happened time and again that news really distressing really distracting all-consuming news is released when other things are happening and they would like our attention to be pulled in different ways the media is literally used for that and i feel like that's part of why we get stuck is because we're so trapped in this absolute tornado that they are very purposefully creating so that way nobody stops enough to breathe and pay attention um but basically uh, I think all we want and to make the the political statement for this um, podcast is that we just really would like kids to stop dying. So whenever anybody's ready to do that. We will say that they we recently did pass bipartisan gun legislation um, that went through both chambers. And I believe Biden signed into law or is set to sign into law, um, you know. And I think that I'm not someone that's going to say like, oh, you know, it didn't have removing AR-15s and it did not have raising the legal age from 18 to 21 um, in it. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. But it did strengthen red flag laws and and a bunch of other things. Um, And that's great. It's I I will say that it's a great step and not having any gun legislation in 30 years, you know, which is, you know, starting with Columbine and going through all the mass tragedies that we've had, like is insane to me. But it is a step. Uh, But it can't just be like, okay, we did this. And now we can go nap for 30 more years. Right. It's like, okay, we did this. Now what's the next? Like, even if we have to do 25 incremental bills to get us to where we need to be. Let's go. Let's do it. You know? Well, I think that's when it ventures into feeling a little performative is, you know, I got to throw them something so they do something that feels, again, like we're moving the needle or we're making some progress or – and again, it's not to say that those things are not progress, but I think, you know, collectively as a country, it is not enough. There is not enough concern. There is not enough um, fire under anybody's ass to do anything. Um, because again, like you're saying, since Colin, why, why are we waiting since the late nineties? Exactly. Yeah. And I think that I do think though, that, uh, Joey, as I call him, our president, (laughs) um, getting both a bipartisan infrastructure bill done and a bipartisan now gun reform bill done is going to help us in the midterms in 2022. Um, I know a lot of, uh, Democrats, a lot of people that I'm friends with left leaning, um, get super mad that, you know, we're waiting on bipartisanship and that we're not just, you know, blowing through the ho- everything. Um, and I hear the frustrations, but I think that for the moderate and the independents that are going to need a home when the Republican Party probably puts up uh, Trump again or a Ron De- uh, DeSantis from Florida or some other crazy person. Oh, my God. Um, I think the fact that he really has tried and tried, not always successfully, but has tried to really do bipartisanship first is going to help us um and it's going to help us not only for guns but for your right to choose marlena over your body and your choice um and obviously in abortion i don't have a uterus i you know even though i'm a gay man i am still a man i'm a platinum gay i've never touched a vagina even at birth i was a c-section that is a 
toxic, absolutely toxic label. Oh my god. Um, but I think it's insanity that uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned, and I think that any logic or any sort of argument—not even logic—any argument from these anti-abortion um, sides are uh, crazy. And I, I try not to use pro-life um, because I feel like everyone is is, is pro-life, right? I, I would hope that, you know, women that are pregnant can have a child because they want to have a child, because they can afford to have a child, because they have the, uh, you know, village that it takes to raise a child, right? Um, but if they deem that they can't, that is their choice. And it, to me, it's that plain and simple, you know? You would think. You would think. Um, but I mean, on the vein of talking about what it's like to live in this world from our perspective, that one hit and it felt unsafe. Yeah. It felt like being a woman in this country or a, a uterus-bearing individual in this country, um, we are just simply unimportant needs desires medical conditions um all of that aside your opinion is not um your opinion your needs your health your mental health your life is not a priority um in comparison to a, a child that you may be bringing into this world that it's in its earliest stages of conception yeah it felt really really unsafe I was so – I can't even explain to you the anger, the anger that was flooding me for weeks after that. Um, I feel like I'm, like, just starting to kind of come back down to a normal, <laughs> like, regulated level. And I think it's scary, too, because how many things like this now, I would say since, you know, really since Trump was elected in 2016, but I would say more so since the pandemic started in 2020, how many times do we wake up to something that really is we'll talk about in a little bit, you know, trauma and everything, but is could really be tra like traumatic for people. But we've become normalized to it because every day it's just something else. Right. It's just the guns or the abortions or this. Or, and it's just crazy that we're almost desensitized. We're becoming desensitized to these crazy, crazy things. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. There's this. Um and we, uh, me and Bianca, my fiance, we'll talk about her, I'm sure a lot we'll talk about, um, but we talk about this almost every day, is how is it possible that we are existing in this world where we are being bombarded with traumatic content and traumatic visual content all day long and we are expected to just go about our day? Because I, I was thinking about um, – Uvalde and how if there was if that Uvalde, happened Uvalde Uvalde um, I was thinking about how if that happened in another country there would be like a state of emergency people would be sent home from their work there would be mourning periods we literally do nothing to acknowledge the trauma that we are constantly ingesting on a day-to-day -day basis it is if any of you feel like you are exhausted of existing i can validate the reason why because your body is storing trauma from what we were ingesting all day even in japan recently the former prime minister was just assassinated while he was literally giving a stump speech oh um and it and in japan they have you know super strict gun laws they don't really have Gun violence isn't really a thing there to the point where the guy who shot it made a homemade gun, found out how to make a homemade gun on Google. And that is how he had a gun and went up to the, you know, the, wherever he was speaking and shot him and assassinated him. Right. Well, stupid people will use that as, as a um, backing for why we should not ban weapons because people, yeah. people could just make it in their home. Okay. One yeah. person in decades decided to go through the effort of making a gun in their home. Please exactly, exactly, and it's it's just on a, uh, and I hate to make these things political, but if coming back to the U.S. and like our politics about it, Republican the Republican Party has always been family values, right? Small government, all of these things. So when you take abortion and you take these guns and you put them side by side, right? They really know how to read the Second Amendment about our right to bear arms, but they seem to not know how to read the separation of church and state and how just because you're a Catholic does not mean that you get to tell an entire nation of people who are all of their different religions how to live. Because in the, uh, I believe, I will fact check this, but in the Jewish faith and in the uh, Islamic faith, I believe abortion is in their whatever is equivalent to their Bible. 
Um, yeah, they don't believe that um, like life starts at, at conception. Exactly. And so that and also so they don't know how to read those two things. And then small government, right? Hands off our guns. We don't want anyone there. But you have no problem putting a, go- a government all in a woman's choice and all in her body. So which one is it? And that's where Democrats have to be more aggressive. We suck at messaging. These Republicans with our, with their ads and they do this with misinformation, with lies like this is concrete truths. We have to combat it in these places that that. They're taking advantage of of these Americans, in my opinion. They really are. I agree. But I, I think the scary thing is even when we do have facts and information, people willfully decide to not believe it um, because it's yeah. there. The information is there to see. Um, I think that certainly not Democrats specifically, but people in general have been doing a better job of spreading information that is actually factual um, and making it more accessible to people, which is wonderful. Um, But I think that also means, you know, you need to know where to find it and you need to be able to believe it. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to the January 6th hearings that we were talking about in the beginning, because I, what this committee did, which was bipartisan, no matter what anyone says, there were two Republicans, Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney, Liz Cheney, Dick Cheney's daughter. So let's just like as conservative as they get, um, and because Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader, decided that there wouldn't be any other Republicans, but they gave us a play by play and not just from Democrats or other people, from people that were close to Trump. Right. Republicans that said this man is crazy. This information was wrong. So we need more of that. We need to say, like, it's not just the Democrats telling you this or just getting in your head. That's not it's not what it is. You know, uh, well, Now where I think we should move on to our third and final part of the podcast, which is a little mental health moment. Um, And this is where I'm going to just become an interviewer and Marlena is going to just share the wealth of information that she has in that beautiful, beautiful brain of hers. Um, And I kind of want to start broad, Marlena. So like we always hear that, you know, physical health, right? Eat your vegetables, Mm. make sure you get some movement, get out there, get to the gym, whatever, stay in good physical health. Um, but I feel like more and more, especially because of what the pandemic brought out in isolation, we're starting to learn that mental health is just as important, if not more important than physical health. And why is that? Well, I think like you're saying, there's a deep connection that exists there. We are all mind, body and spirit, you know, so we have to be caring for that in equal measure, Um, which is why I think it's so funny when people, you know, need to treat their mental health in one capacity or another and, because of the stigma that exists and, you know, there's the kind of ridiculous messaging involved, um, people stray away from wanting to take medication, wanting to attend talk therapy, wanting to, you know, even if we're escalating to the point of needing to be hospitalized, right? Like there's so much shame attached to those types of treatment. When, you know, if somebody has diabetes, are we ashamed of the fact that they need to take insulin with their meals, right? The same thing, right? My my anxiety is so high that I can't function on a day-to-day basis, and that means that I have to do X, Y, or Z. Um, what? Why is there shame attached to that, right? We are so intricately connected. The... Um, you know, our, our anxiety affects our blood pressure, our vagus nerve affects our central nervous system, right? There's so much that is is interconnected. And if we are sacrificing our mental health in favor of just the busy lives that we lead, you'll find out pretty quickly. And that's so funny that you say that because I feel like that was the, my next question was like, how is how does our mental health uh affect our physical health because it very well can i feel like our brain is such a powerful organ that like things that we don't even think are connected or at least i've learned recently like they are right no absolutely for instance people who struggle with sleep there are so there's so much scientific evidence that supports how quickly your cognition um, just goes down the tubes when you are tired. You, If you are struggling with anxiety or depression or um, interpersonal conflict, if you're trying to access coping skills and access ways to be effective in those moments, you will not be able to. You actually can go psychotic from not sleeping for a certain amount of time, right? Mm. So there's 
just I, I can't stress enough how taking care of our mental health plays into everything else because people always come into my office and they're like, you know, I'm sleeping like crap. Um, I'm anxious all the time. I'm nauseous. I'm not eating well. It all plays together. There has to be just as much like this. You told me once that sleep is like a wash of your brain, right? That it literally, mm, it literally yeah. there's like so, a talk about that. Absolutely. Yeah. When we when we sleep, there is a clear fluid that comes and rinses our brain because our brain cells do work all wonderful, my microphone. Our brain cells do work all day long. And as they work, they produce cell waste. So our, our cells are are leaving poo on our brain. As we sleep, clear fluid comes, washes it away, so that when you wake up you feel rejuvenated. That only happens if you are getting true REM sleep. Mm. If not, you will wake up, you will feel foggy, you might feel disoriented. And again, it's hard to make decisions, to concentrate. So especially, if, you know, I think about kids, kids going to school and it's 7 o'clock in the morning. If they haven't gone to sleep until 2 a.m. because of whatever's happening in their lives, who's focusing in 8 a.m. geometry? I certainly was not. No. I, like, we had improv. Like, and we both went, oh to, my the God. We both went to the same high school. Um, funny enough, I met Marlena for the first time ever, even before we started becoming friends in 2012, uh, we did a production of The Drowsy Chaperone at our high school. Um, she was the chaperone, and it is iconic, and I have film for anyone that wants to see it. Um, you do not. Uh, I, don't, I think I have somewhere. I don't know if I can say that out loud, but I you do. Don't. Um, <laughs> um, and at the time, at the time, at Southern Regional High School, it was a big thing to be in the middle school because it was 7th and 8th grade in one building and then ninth through 12th in the other. Um, to be in a show as a middle schooler. They have thrown that by the wayside nowadays. But um, so that's the first time that I uh, that I met her. So we both had the same improv teacher. And I would never be awake until at least third period, which I think started at like 10, 13 or something, which honestly makes sense because now I work a job that's 10 to 6. So like I feel like my body was always <laughs> made to not be able to function yep. until 10 a.m. But it, going back to, to uh, mental health affecting physical health, I learned that the hard way during this pandemic, as Marlena knows, because she cannot be my therapist on record, obviously due to conflict of interest, but she is definitely uh, has guided me through some sessions, we'll say. Um, and I was <laughs> I a high supplementary therapist. <laughs> exactly. Shout out to Lindsay. Love you. Um, but, you know, I was a high functioning anxiety person pre pandemic. I would work on two to three shows at the same time. I would be doing other things, constantly running around, not getting enough sleep, honestly. Um, and I never really noticed how that anxiety was affecting me because I was constantly going. I never had to sit in it. I never had to worry about it. And then the pandemic happened where, you know, and everyone tells the same stories. You were isolated. You couldn't go anywhere. But I started to learn very quickly how my anxiety was affecting my body, like shaking, feel, literally feeling ill. I'm going to doctors constantly. Not, all the tests are coming back clear. There's nothing wrong with me. I became such a hypochondriac. And it was my anxiety. It was because it was the first time that I had no way to put it anywhere else. I had to deal with it in that moment. So it's crazy. Absolutely. It's truly, truly crazy. Absolutely. It will find you. It'll come out sideways. Yeah. Right? You know, if we're not dealing with it head on and, and understanding, you know, despite the shame and despite all of the, you know, taboo around it, there has to be a way to address it rather than stuffing it down because it will come out sideways. It will interrupt your relationships. It'll interrupt your work or it'll physically make you sick. Yeah, literally. So here's a question. I think this may be a great way to end it. Um, I wake up, not me, someone wakes up tomorrow and, human. and says, you know what? Today's the day. I'm going to put my mental health first, right? But mm. works a really hard, you know, busy job, has a busy life, maybe they have kids, who knows? What are some simple, maybe two or three simple things that they can start doing every day to just start the habit of taking care of ourselves, you know? And they can grow on it, but some things that are going to maybe help them with sleep, help them with that panic attack, panic attack before a meeting at work or going on a mm. date or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Like, what can they do? Um, I feel like if you're trying to just start the process of getting in touch, doing body scans, potentially, I don't know, maybe three times a day, really helpful. Waking up in the morning, sitting up, taking a deep breath. What do I feel in my body? Are my, you know, am I clenching my jaw? Are my shoulders tight? Um, you know, 
am I hungry? Does my stomach hurt? Do I have an anxious stomach? Is my mind already racing? Really just doing a a head-to-toe scan of where everything is at Um, and then proceeding with what we know is going to work for that, right? If I'm hungry, I need to go feed myself instead of ignoring the fact that I'm hungry. I need to start my day with some water. I need to stretch, right? Um, I feel like kind of listening to yourself is the first step of working on mental health. So if that means I know I'm nervous before a meeting, I don't need to just stuff that down. I can spend five minutes. I can sit in the bathroom or, you know, I can sit at my desk and breathe through it for a few minutes rather than just, you know, ignoring the fact that my anxiety is through the roof. I can push through it, but I can also acknowledge it. I can work with it. Um, And yes, sleep, sleep hygiene. If you do not have a sleep hygiene routine, think about it, right? What time am I going to sleep every night? It should be about the same time. Do I have a routine beforehand, right? Am I showering at nine, maybe taking a little melatonin if I'm having a really hard time sleeping at at like 10 o'clock, and then I'm falling asleep by 10, 30, 11 o'clock, right? So having a consistent schedule, maybe I meditate at night, maybe I journal about my gratitudes for the day, but Every time we engage in that, if it has become habit, our bodies will understand that it's time Mm. to start inducing sleep, right? So creating a schedule and sticking to it nightly is invaluable. I Mm. I, can't overstress that. And I feel like listening to yourself, which I feel like we're going to talk about in our next episode that we'll preview in a minute, I feel like listening to ourselves is a great way that leads to boundaries. And I feel like boundaries is another pillar in self-care. Like it and it's something, absolutely and i have yeah. and marlena will tell you that of our 10-year friendship i probably have spent about i would say maybe nine years not having boundaries <laughs> <laughs> um this last year being the first time that i've started to set them and it's life-changing it's it is life-changing and it's scary literally it alters yeah. your relationships it alters the course of your life yeah well with all of that we did our first podcast episode that's so exciting. Uh, so cool. We figured that because this episode, we talked a lot about the crazy stuff that's happening in this world. We didn't even talk about how hot it is outside, too. Like, it is just like oh my God. Satan's waiting room outside, um, which is a direct <laughs> correlation to climate change. Um, <laughs> right. And all of the plankton in the sea are dying, and we should all be really, really, really scared about that. Um, we'll have to do an episode. Not to end this. We'll have to yeah. do just an episode. We have on to climate do an episode. Change. Yeah. But yeah. next week, we're going to do one all about self-care, right? So in this crazy burning world, more in depth, what can we do to keep ourselves grounded, keep ourselves sane and healthy? Marlena has Absolutely. a plethora of books that she is going to recommend and resources. I read a few that I like, and we're going to talk about it. Yep. Absolutely. So come back next week and we'll talk about how to manage the stress of existing. We love it. Well, we hope you enjoy the morning or your morning tea, we should say. And we will see you next week. Yeah, we're going to end it the way that we end all of our phone conversations, which is by saying love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Morning Tea. This is our fact-checking portion of the episode where we're going to give some context, clear up, and correct some things that we may have gotten wrong in the episode. In episode one, we discussed the House of Representatives voting on the right for same-sex marriage. So that was confirming 47 Republicans voted yes, 157 voted no. So it was passed through the House of Representatives and has yet to be voted on by the Senate. We also spoke about Funny Girl. This is just confirming that the understudy, Julie Benko, will be doing every show from August 2nd through September 4th. And then once Leia Michelle comes, Julie will do Thursday shows starting on September 8th. Yeah, I thought that Julie was getting two shows a week. And I stand corrected. It is the one. Um, Mm -hmm. Great. And then I had brought up in the episode about Clarence Thomas and how he said that we need to look at same-sex marriage and, you know, uh, contraceptive. And I said interracial marriage as well. And he did not quite say that. So I just want to uh, clarify that. His official statement was that – that we should reconsider all of this court's substantive due process precedents, including Griswold, Lawrence, and Oberfell, 
referring to these three cases have to do with Americans' fundamental privacy, due process, and equal protection rights. So Griswold was the right to contracept, uh, being able to buy contraceptives without government restrictions. So I was right about that. Uh, Lawrence is at the sanctions of criminal punishment for those who commit sodomy or unconstitutional, and sodomy is oral and anal sex. Um, and Oberfell is same-sex marriage. So while he didn't say interracial marriage, um, the case that provides the right for interracial marriage is Loving versus Virginia, um, and it's consider it was uh, decided under the same due process laws that all of the previous ones were decided on. So if he's saying we should check all due process cases, that would also technically include interracial marriage. Um, so it's scary, no matter what. And going back to both the Jewish and Islamic faith, I wanted to just clarify uh, each faith's stance on abortion. This is from the National Council of Jewish Women. It asks, according to Jewish law, is abortion health care? And they respond, yes. Jewish sources explicitly state that abortion is not only permitted, but is required should the pregnancy endanger the life or health of a pregnant individual. The Australian National Islamic Council also writes that abortion is permissible at any stage of pregnancy, even after 120 days, if the pregnancy poses any exceeding danger to the mother. This must be confirmed by a qualified and trustworthy medical report. Such threats include the life of the mother being at serious risk. So this just goes back to our conversation around abortion and how when states, you know, put in bans for, six, you know, no abortion after six weeks, etc., because Christianity views abortion um, as against their faith, other faiths actually feel differently. So it violates the separation of church and state. We also spoke about AR-15s, and I had said that they uh, run at 100, or they shoot at 100 rounds a minute. I was incorrect. It is 45 rounds a minute, which is still a scary amount of rounds, but I wanted to put the correct number out there. We spoke about Watergate, and I had said the late 60s. The break-in of Watergate actually happened in 1972. The trials began in 1973, um, and they were prosecuted, or not prosecuted, they were, they went to jail in 1975. Uh, minus Nixon, but his right hand men did. And we were just talking about this in relation to the January 6 hearings about how there is still time and hope for Trump and all of his cronies to hopefully be criminally investigated, charged, prosecuted, and ultimately thrown in jail. And then I also spoke about the Jewish and Islamic faith. And I just wanted to properly say what their uh, book of faith is, because I said the whatever was equivalent. Um, the Jewish faith uses the Torah and the Islamic faith uses the Quran. So yeah, we just wanted to give some context, be more clear to make sure that we're given, you know, the most proper information within our views. And we hope that you join us for episode two, which is going to be all about self-care. Yeah, come back and learn about how to take care of yourselves in this crazy world. And thank you for caring enough to fact check. Yes. Bye. All right, Marlena. Love you. Bye.